Hey everybody, welcome back to wellnesstalks.org. I'm your host, Todd Schmink, and I'm here with Dr. Mark Foreman, somebody I have been working with uh, and, and relating to you for the last uh, two or three years. He provides psychotherapy in San Jose and throughout California online. He's also the founder and lead trainer of the Certified Integral Psychotherapist Global Training Program and actively teaches and supervises both therapists and coaches interested in directly applying uh, integral theory. Does that sound like a, a fair summary, Mark? Yes, it was, and uh, I'm very happy to be here, Todd. Glad to have you. So, what we were we talked a little bit about this uh, like last week, and I just wanted to to let everybody know about you have written another book, not just one, but this is your second book. You want to tell us a little bit about that and the, the title and. The Monster's Journey. Sure, yeah, the title is The Monster's Journey from Trauma to Connection. And the focus of this book is really about uh, people who have suffered childhood trauma and what they need to do and uh, what they need to understand in order to grow and heal and in some ways overcome the impacts of the early trauma. Um, and the reason it's called the monster's journey is that um, I uh, use a, a bit of a framework that was put together by a famous uh, a researcher in mythology, his name was Joseph Campbell, and Campbell came up with this idea called the hero's journey. And just to briefly talk about that, the hero's journey describes the path of change for most people, and we see this hero's journey form in stories and movies, uh, almost all of the uh, great works of art have this hero's journey uh, story within it. And that's the story of uh, living in a very normal environment and then being confronted with uh, what they call a call for a call to adventure Right. Something happens that pulls you out of your everyday environment, and then you go into a world that's mysterious and, and are initiated into that world. And it's, then it's if actually, you are... Go ahead, Todd. It's, it's actually it's the, the entryway of how my book starts. I'm, do, I'm doing the hero, mm -hmm. which is why when you came out with this, and you're, you're doing the, the other side of the coin, so to speak. But it's it's Odysseus, it's Luke in Star Wars, it's um, it's Diana in in Wonder Woman. I mean, it's the it's the whole something happens and it changes your world. Yes, and for your book, Team Positive, it would be you wake up and go to the doctors and get a cancer diagnosis, and all of a sudden you're thrust into a whole new phase of life. Right. You 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 don't know what it's going to be like or now you wake up and you can't smell and you are now mm -hmm. on the covid journey yes yes so heroes journeys are often 
can be quite scary, so they can start off in that way. They can also start off in, uh, in, uh, in a more positive way. You get a new job or you meet a new partner or... Yeah, we tend to focus on the negative, but you're right. It could be, I want you a winning lottery ticket. Yes, exactly. Um, so what I worked on in the book was just the idea that the hero's journey is a very powerful and useful framework but that I didn't think that it worked quite as well or fit quite as well if you had undergone early trauma. And that was mostly because if you have early trauma, you're confronted with feelings and emotions at a very, very early age, and you don't really have time to uh, mature and get ready for the hero's journeys that you might take. So most hero journey stories happen to uh, teenagers, young adults, sometimes to older children. Right. But they don't happen to little children because little children can't play the role of the protagonist in a story with the hero arc. They're not really ready yet. Uh, and you're saying, so like Piaget's developmental components or schema, when schemas are developed, one tends to get developed even stronger than normal. And they don't even have the capacity. I think, I believe that that's been pointed out as well to take another perspective until what, eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there. They necessarily can't flip into the other role and understand that this is happening to me. They make it all about me, and then it gets locked away, and that's what this book is addressing, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. So the child experiences the pain of abuse or neglect or abandonment. Or normally you're gay at four, and what do you do with yes. this? Yes, and then maybe bullying and things that would come along with that. Or you're just different. Yep. Or you're just different in some way that, that sets you apart and ends up being painful uh, to you in your childhood. And that changes your level of trust in the world and in yourself, uh, typically is how it goes. And so, you, have, you have personal components that you've brought into this book as well. I mean, your own monster's journey is like right there on the pages, right? Yes. So for me, just briefly, my monster's journey started when I was two or three, when my father um, uh, became psychotic, uh, which means in the, in the technical sense, he was losing touch with reality in a very specific way. He, he thought he was the Messiah of the world, like in a religious sense, he was going to save the world with his ideas and teachings. And in, in doing that, he cut himself off from his family, both myself and my brother, my mother, but also uh, his siblings and parents. Um, and sort of went down this rabbit hole of psychosis and paranoia and such. And so 
it was a very frightening experience for me as a child because this was my father and it culminated in, with him leaving the country and abandoning me essentially and my brother and so that's that was a period where i feel that all kinds of things were going wrong within me i blamed myself i didn't know how to do anything better Right. or wiser and it changed life. yeah i'm yeah it changed me um and took me on this monster's journey because now i i was going to have trouble with normal life just doing things other people do and take oh. for granted so schema of abandonment schema yeah. of defectiveness there must be something wrong with me because if i was if I was good, this never would have happened. He never would have left me. All that first-person perspective, right? Yes, absolutely. All of that negative evaluation of myself. And we all have this, I would imagine, to some greater or lesser extent, right? I'm sorry, say that again? That we, we all would have this to some greater or lesser extent. Yes, I think, you know, most of us have some... Uh, negative inner critic uh, that we must grapple with. Uh, my the argument in the book and and there's some research to support this is that people with different types of childhood trauma probably have a more intensified version. Right. of the inner critic that other people have which is often not easy not easy in any case to deal with right well, but that's why you use ace to measure to kind of get an idea of is this something you should even you know you need or should consider yes so we use what's called adverse childhood experiences right this is a checklist that's been used in the field for now about 20 years and to do research. And it's basically a checklist of the, the events in your early life that most often would lead to having trauma. And you go through the checklist and you see how many boxes you check. And the research suggests that the more boxes, so if you have physical abuse and sexual abuse, that is more impactful than only having physical abuse, um, even though obviously both are very serious. So it's, it's the, having several of these ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, makes us more and more vulnerable to having uh, physical health issues as well as mental health issues when we are older. So there's a dose response relationship. The higher the dose of childhood ex negative experiences, right. the higher the response we see later in life. And I would imagine then this got this ties down to like personality disorders, borderlines becoming a thing the more doses you had before a certain age. I mean, isn't that like you know, one, to, one to four that that typically, I know there's a neurological component that they think as well, but you're already predisposed, predisposed and then bam, you have 
four aces. You have four different situations along the way. Or am I interpreting that right? Yes. My understanding of the research is that, <coughs> excuse me, that um, aces make people more vulnerable to having a diagnosis of a personality disorder, uh, borderline personality disorder is the most connected to the number of aces. But then anxiety, depression, all those things, they all, they're all tied to you. It's a spectrum and we're talking about one end. So, yes. And so one argument that people make is that borderline personality disorder is less of a personality disorder and more of a response to trauma. And I, and I think in certain cases that uh, is really true for certain clients. It's, it's indistinguishable from um, their traumatic childhood. Now people are complex and there are other people with borderline personality disorder who don't have the childhood trauma right, they had a perfect family and they still ended up that way yeah and you know and and that can be for other reasons other events or just you know genetics has a little bit to do with everything i say that the we're speaking the four quadrants there's always that that genetic physical component that yes. can just put a monkey wrench in the whole thing right yes and the saying. genetics can, might work in the positive way too, in that some people who have a lot of childhood experiences, which are negative, have this quality we psychologists call resilience. Right. Uh, and somehow they they have these experiences, but don't have these negative outcomes. And that's an interesting thing to know. Yeah. So, like big five personality trait assessment, maybe I score lower on the agreeableness scale and so I don't take it personally yes lower okay. on an eroticism score and I don't it doesn't bother me yes so personality characteristics can be protective right. but also uh, pro there's probably a social support component so some evidence that if if a child has a really healthy adult just one Right around yes. them yep. uh, during some critical periods of growing up. And it doesn't even have to be a parent. It could be yes. a neighbor or an aunt, so or a teacher. Coach. Yeah. yeah, coach, uncle, yeah. any anybody um, that they will be able to weather the storm of their teenage so. years more easily, and then maybe not end up in quite the same place as someone with childhood trauma, so, which is un unsupported. So I'm just curious though, who, who would benefit the most from this book? I mean, who, who were you thinking about when you wrote this book? I was very much thinking about uh, a client or a patient, whatever word we would use, who, um, might be really struggling with mental health symptoms, depression, anxiety, uh, attention deficit disorder to a certain extent, really? maybe, bi maybe bipolar. Um, and uh, if a person <coughs> has had multiple diagnoses and they're wondering what's going on, um, 
the book is an offering to say, okay, let's talk about this piece of childhood and let's see if you fit or resonate more with this monster's journey theme. Do you, did you have a sense that everything was bleak starting pretty young? Did you have a mother or father or uh, somebody who was mentally ill um, in the family? Were you hurt or beaten? And if so, there's this other path of healing that's going to make a lot more sense to you than the, the modes of healing that are more typically offered to people. So it, the book is for people who might be struggling, who think they might have some trauma and who want to dive into what that means uh, factually, but also in a way the, the lessons that stories can teach us. Because mm -hmm. stories are the way that a, a culture passes on its knowledge. So it's also what Keegan's pointed out. It's a fantastic way to bypass that immunity to change, that our, our automatic defense system. So I love that you're using the stories. That's fantastic. Yes. Now, I would like yeah. to back up just a second. I'm going to pause you there because you said ADD. So I'm trying to think about, okay, so somebody who is ADHD or ADD when they're a kid, I think what you're saying there is there's higher pr probability of ACE, that ACE, scoring an ACE, high ACE, yeah. because they don't follow like everybody else do. They don't pay attention. The teachers come down on them. You're stupid. You're this, you're that. So yeah. I think that that's to just make this very real for the average person that's also listening to this or wants to read this book, how would this benefit them? That's fantastic because a lot of people do struggle with, do I have this? And whether I do or don't, this book might be a different way into that, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, very much. And the way you described that was very accurate. So imagine, you know, you're, you're living in this traumatizing situation in your home, you know, and, and typically about 80% of the time, it's really the parents who are involved in what's happening. So as sad as that is, they're the ones perpetrating the situation. Well, they Even if well. that situation is, uh, the parent is a drug addict and that creates chaos in the home. Right. Uh, so you're talking about like an actual to hurt the child, but they are. Or the so then you go to, then you go to school and you're full of emotional reactions and feelings. People want you to do these activities that I don't seem to help. So you're distracted. You don't care. Uh, you're off in dreamland, uh, maybe, you know, thinking of some other world you would want to live in. And that can look a bit like ADD uh, or ADHD if you're a little more um, impulsive. Uh, and so what t often happens is the symptoms get diagnosed, but not always the the sort of causes or the pathway and so this is a book that really wants to talk about how do you know that you've been traumatized hmm. how can can we get this to be 
a, a pretty objective conversation. Um, I was just about know. to ask. It sounds like you're trying, like, like integral or like psychotherapy does in general, is try to pull something out of that subjective place, objective, so you can observe it, you can see it, and then come to terms with it, integrate yes. it, and move on. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that may involve family members and things. I just yesterday I had a conversation with my un one of my uncles who had read the book and and wanted to share with me more about what happened during the time of uh, my father's psychosis and some of which I knew and some of which I didn't know. And, and so I walked. It was not an easy conversation to have. But uh, I, I left with knowing a lot more about that time and what happened. And, you know, um, I've found that the more I can learn, the better my ability to cope with the trauma and its reactions. And that's sometimes what we do is we connect with older, trusted family members who are able to shed some light hmm. on what happened and uh and we you know receive some healing from that knowledge so it's a book that encourages people to take steps uh methodical steps yeah i noticed that in the bat the last section it was try this consider this you know ponder this yes very and much so so. this book Stands alone. You don't have to go to therapy to use this book. No. I mean, although it would work well with, you know, therapy as well, but yeah, the, it definitely can function as a self-help book. Right. However, it makes a big suggestion that we do need to find a healer or maybe more than one. And a healer in this definition is just somebody who is going to, listen to you, see the best in you, not judge you. So um, what the famous therapist Carl Rogers would call unconditional positive regard, and that for a trauma survivor to have a person see them down in the depths, sort of below the layers of, of the traumatic defenses that we develop right that is really powerful because you're you want to get in touch with the parts of you that maybe weren't hurt by the trauma but are just kind of buried underneath sadness or anger so the healer is this is and meeting the healer is this key phase now that healer doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be uh, a you know could be a sibling. It could be a relative, a it rabbi, be, a priest, a monk, uh, a religious figure. Uh, yes, anybody who fulfills that role. That's safe space, right? Gives you that no. safe space, non-judgmental, and just sits with you. Yeah, and and you know cares about you as a person so that's lovely yeah it's a really lovely goal yeah yeah and i i believe it's 
possible when we look you know there's a little seek and ye shall find uh in in the book i think so well i i it's nice to see a story which complements the hero that was the first thing that really struck me pretty hard mm -hmm. and then you got to tell tell us a little bit about the the story of, of where the cover came from because that, that was pretty interesting as well so it's kind of like an incarnation yes very much so so when I, I had been in other types of therapy and they were very helpful, but I was still having reactions that I didn't really understand to, to relationship situations or other kinds of big changes. They would really throw me off in the language we would use. They would say they really triggered me right. into... Uh, sort of a bad situation. So I ended up in trauma therapy. So specific, my therapist was, was a trauma therapist. And I, I began to learn more about trauma through the therapy. But the image that came up to me, to my mind was uh, of like, I was felt like a troll sitting under a bridge somewhere near uh, a village of normal people but there was a tension there the you know the villagers didn't like the troll the troll didn't particularly like the villagers and so the image on the front cover of the book is sort of a one artistic rendering of a troll under a bridge you know looking very quite sad and and uh despondent which was certainly an element of how i felt at the time um and sort of gives a nice visual representation of of the of the beginning of the journey the the troll has already been transformed is no longer in this group of quote-unquote normal beings but there's a possibility and the bridge is one kind of symbol got it yeah if you think, if you think about it yeah that, no, that's great that you know moves or talks about uh you know bridging to other aspects in life um well you're making me think of uh rudolph the land of misfit toys like where everybody that didn't yes. in one place all kinds of kind of finds each other and in a way it's the internet is how it helps the land of toys, you know, people to relate to each other in very specific niches. So, but I, like I said, I, I knew that the, the the cover story or the color cover art had gone through a couple of different phases, and there was a lot of thought behind it. And I thought anybody listening should should know that. Mm -hmm. So, if you could just say, like, in one to sum up the the book, like the one thing you really hope that somebody could get from this book, what would that be? Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing would be self-understanding and self-compassion. So the idea that the struggles that a person might be having because of childhood trauma, they make sense and are, are understandable. And there's a way forward uh in as 
in as much as it might feel like there isn't, no, there actually is a path and we know something about the path uh, from both clinical work, but also the stories tell us uh, quite a lot about how humans overcome these kinds of challenges. So we have to hold it lightly and move through. It's not going to be the most comfortable journey, but once we get through it, actually it's not that far off from the hero's journey. It's just a different, a different route. You both arrive. It sounds like at the same place, right? Arrive at slightly different places. I guess I would say the hero, you know, the hero is, is, knocked down and then works his way back his or her way back up where this was down from the start yeah and so the goal of the hero's journey is this sort of initiation into the magical you could say spiritual aspects of life okay and the goal of the monster is to be able to um, live in the normal world uh, and engage and have a healthy life that um, incorporates all the things they might have missed when they were really suffering from their trauma. So now, of course, yes, yes. And now, of course, a traumatized person can then explore the magical and mystical dimensions of life. So they don't have to skip the hero's journey uh, altogether, but they do have to do this separate healing journey uh, in the childhood trauma. So well, I would characterize the character. monster as doing something extra. Got it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. No but worries. I'm also trying to pay attention to time so that we don't... Yes, absolutely. Right. So, but it, it sounds like a lot of people could absolutely benefit from this, whether it was more, you know, whether they had five ace, you know, lots of trauma, things that were way outside of their control, or even just smaller things. Because even if you're on the hero's quest, I would imagine having this, this extra manual here of how to accept the within. I mean, because a lot of times... That's like one of the flaws you see with heroes is they get caught by this, the, the monster side of themselves that they never really fully embrace. And mm -hmm. so I think in some of the more unique stories where you can see them both, like I think uh, Luke Skywalker just, or actually not Luke, Darth Vader, he's the mm -hmm. monster. And he started off on one path, got taken off and you know, all the trauma that happened there and eventually he was able to reintegrate both, which I think would be yes. pretty phenomenal. So. Yes. So there are sort of what you might call the black belt move, which is integrating both of them. I tried to stay away from that in the book it, just to keep things a little more digestible. But One quest at a time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's lots more to say about the monster's journey, and there's a lot more to say about how it relates to the hero's journey. And vice versa. Um, so I just... I just jumped to a conclusion there. I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. So, mm -hmm. no. How, how wonderful. And 
put it into a story that most people are familiar with, you know, Star Wars and that whole saga, which I believe Campbell was a huge fan of, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, he actually directly influenced, he knew um, uh, George Lucas personally. Oh, all right. And That's so different. he, right. yeah, and so he, Star Wars was literally written with Campbell's ideas of the hero's journey in mind. So that affected, did that affect Tolkien as well, or is it Tolkien actually? I know, I know that uh, all the Lord of the Rings stuff affected Lucas, so... I, I, Tolkien, I think, wrote and conceptualized a lot of his stuff before Joseph Campbell, chronologically. But, you know... Um, well, Campbell, Tolkien, I used to, think, used to think highly of that work. He, he yeah. saw that as a modern myth. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it's terrific. And, you know, Tolkien was working with... Uh, he, European and English and Irish, I think, mythologies right. and updating them, and, and they were heroic mythologies. And so it was natural that the Lord of the Rings would turn into a such a such a hero's journey. Um, I love it. It's it's easily my favorite movie. Uh, well, I'm glad that we could end this this interview by completely geeking out so that people can see yeah. that it's just human that psychologists and, and mental health counselors are just human like everybody else so yeah exactly that's a, a great way to end this and i thank you so much for being on this this part of the show i hope to have you back again it was totally my pleasure todd thank you